So thank you all very much for joining us this evening for this discussion about leadership and why emotional intelligence is the real secret source that you need as a leader to be successful during these unprecedented times and way beyond. We are joined this evening by an incredible individual, Richard Cullinan, who is the author and designer of our new virtual online training program, Leading with Emotional Intelligence. Richard is a self-taught academic, educator, and expert in EQ, which is obviously known as emotional intelligence, who has spent the last 14 years and many, many thousands of hours training and coaching leaders and knowledge workers in business on key communication and leadership skills, including emotional intelligence, customer service, sales, presentation skills, business writing, coaching, and effective team leadership. Richard has invested over the past year building our unique online emotional intelligence uh, training program and has also written a book on the subject. I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome Richard and give him the opportunity to, to uh, you know, come into this forum where I will be asking Richard some really key questions around the leadership challenges that we are facing at the moment you know, as we go on through this uh, uncharted territory. We'll discuss things for about 40 minutes and then I've got a, a wonderful offer for you at the end of the program. And then after that, we would love the opportunity to open up the floor to questions and answers, whether that be verbal or whether you type it into the box and, and I can read those questions out. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm gonna hand this over to, to Richard and uh, let's see how we can get some insight into helping us, um, you know, take charge and move forward. So Rich, over to you. Okay, wonderful, Phil. Um, I think, you know, leading with emotional intelligence, we're talking about being a leader manager in a business that you might own, uh, you might work in a corporation, or you might be a professional in, in, in a, medical or legal field or what have you. Um, inevitably, you're going to, in that sort of position, be leading a team. Um, and we have built this program um, with leaders in mind, as well as knowledge workers who also require emotional intelligence um, learning. Now, <laughs> the way things stand right now, um, a survey done recently in America showed that respondents uh, said that um, they, were, they are experiencing more stress now than they ever had in their careers before. Um, and that is the kind of challenge we're deal, dealing with. As a leader manager, you would know that when there is that kind of stress in your work environment, creativity and productivity go down and people are not able um, to think creatively and critically to solve problems. So this stress and anxiety is counterproductive. Now, we all know the types of problems that we've experienced over the last few months with COVID-19. Companies have had to downsize. A lot of people have been retrenched. A lot of people have started to work remotely and are experiencing challenges, emotional challenges, uh, dealing uh, with being away from their work colleagues, away, away from their leadership, away from the cultural hub of their organization. 
Um, and, you know, going back before the pandemic, uh, we were dealing with existential threats like climate change, um, as well as the rapid advancement of artificial intelligence, automation and robotics in business, um, especially in, 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 in factory environments. And all of these stresses have caused people to become anxious and overwhelmed. Um, and they look to their leaders uh, to navigate the pathway forward. Um, now, not only do leaders need to develop their EQ skills, um, but so do knowledge workers. And what do I mean by EQ skills? Well, when we look at emotional intelligence as a whole, it's really made up of four, four modalities or four elements. Um, and they're split into two subsections. One being your personal competence, and that includes self-awareness, um, the ability to understand and label even your emotions, understand how your thoughts um, impact your biology, which affect the emotions uh, that you have. Um, it's, it's consciousness. It's, it's like a hovering helicopter over you, which is watching over and being aware of your emotions and your behavior as you pass through life and as you go about your business. Um, and then, of course, there's self-management. That, that, that's a great insight. Yeah. Um, then there's, there's, I want to sorry. Why, why is the leadership so crucial to you? Um, why is it so crucial to the success of leaders in today's climate? Well, Phil, you know, leaders need to firstly be able to manage their own emotions and behavior in order to be able to manage the emotions and behavior of others. And this requires self-leadership. It requires self-management. Um, now, self-management is not just managing your emotions, but it's managing your lifestyle. Um, and the way you go about living uh, to, to develop your emotional intelligence. Also, uh, we need to develop our social competence, um, our social awareness, as well as our ability to develop and enhance and enrich our relationships. Now, a stressed out boss um, is gonna derail a team's ability uh, to solve problems effectively. And optimistic and tuned in bus is going to establish an environment where people can collaborate freely, be creative and solve problems together. Um, you know, just to finish off my answer or, or my discussion around uh, the importance of EQ and leadership, right now, um, when we face with these stresses and strains around the pandemic, there are three things that I'd like to leave um, with everybody. Um, as a leader, right now, you have to show vulnerability. Um, be authentic and share your honest feelings uh, with the people that you're working with. You know, in the, in the time before the pandemic, um, people tended to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of climbing the corporate ladder. Um, it's almost like now, we are virtually, virtually because of social distancing, holding hands and moving forward as community, um, not only within businesses, um, but within, within families and within groups of friends. 
<clears throat> we need to eliminate the boss versus staff paradigm and set a precedent for comfortable sharing. Create a space in our work environments which are psychologically safe for people to be open and honest about their feelings and their thoughts. Also, um, leaders today are having to deliver sometimes good but mostly difficult news. You know, I spoke about retrenchment. Um, it's, it's the way uh, you downsize your company. It's the way you deliver the news about somebody that might be um, losing their, their position. Uh, because that, um, the way you do that, gets fed back into the people that remain behind. And very often the people that remain behind have lost friends in the process. The other thing is um, changes, and I mentioned remote working, and we can obviously talk about digitization and becoming more agile businesses in order to respond effectively to disruption and innovation. Um, very often the changes are happening so quickly um, that people are not getting updated information quick enough. And that gap causes anxiety and it causes insecurity. So it's very important to deliver information at the right time and in the right amount so that people feel like they know what's going on. Um, yeah, and just finally on the score, Phil, um, I'd like to say that, you know, leaders need to share without oversharing. Um, they need the right emotionality without emotional dumping. There needs to be a balance between what the company needs in terms of, let's say, delivering against sales targets or productivity targets um, with being empathetic with the individual um, who's in this process with the business. Um, yeah, and so that's my opening gamut. Obviously, when we talk about leader-manager, it's important to realize that on the one hand, we manage tasks um, because we don't manage people. We manage things. Um, we lead people. And it's in the leadership of people that we employ those key EQ skills like self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Excellent. Richard, and, and in our discussions, uh, you've often talked about us having the ability to rewire our brains for improved emotional performance. Can you elaborate uh, on that uh, area for us, please? Yeah, Phil. Um, you know, I started out talking about, I spoke about a little bit about self-awareness. Um, self-awareness is really consciousness. And when you start becoming conscious, um, you can start managing your emotions with awareness. So if you think about it, we are constantly faced with stimuli, um, which we process through our five senses, um, which become thoughts in our brain. And we feel those thoughts in our body actually before we compute them. And then we express how we feel in our emotions. Um, the way it works is, let's say you see something, it gets processed through your visual cortex, goes through into your limbic system, 
uh, where your hippocampus sits. And I call the hippocampus the library of your mind. Uh, in your hippocampus, so is everything you've ever seen, felt, heard, touched, uh, or thought about. Um, it's like your library. And what happens is when you see something, um, the, the, the brain works at the hippo, hippocampus, looks at what it's seeing, and decides whether um, this is something familiar or something new. If it's familiar, there will generally be the same response to that thing which um, has stimulated your mind and that you've always experienced. So that's why very often people um, get triggered by the same thing. Uh, like, for example, let's say that um, when, you, when you were growing up, um, you were told that you were fat or clumsy. And this resulted in you having a low sense of self-worth or you feel occasionally worthless. Now, how do we change that? How do we rewire our brains so that we don't feel worthless? Because this feeling of worthlessness could go back 30 years or 25 years, and it's out of date with who we are now. Um, so because that memory is sitting in your hippocampus and anything that happens that triggers that feeling will make you feel worthless. And when you feel unworthy, you're unable to achieve your goals. You're unable to be confident. You're unable to go for things um, in your life. So in your hippocampus, uh, it's one of the few sites in the brain where brain cells are regenerated. And in fact, new brain cells are formed. So knowing that, we know that we can change the makeup of what's going on in our hippocampus. Um, so the key is to understand the emotion. Where does the emotion of worthlessness come from? Mm -hmm. Worthlessness actually is one of the emotions that comes from the branch of feeling ashamed. There are five core emotions, um, happy, sad, angry, afraid, and ashamed. Feeling worthless is part of the ashamed um, uh, a channel of, em of emotions. Now, on my course, I, I, we, we teach people... Rich, sorry, one second. Rich, yes. sorry. We, we, you cut out there for a few seconds. So can we just go back to um, un you know, unlearning and relearning? Yes, certainly. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure where I cut out, Philippe, but... <clears throat> oh, that's a very poor connection. Yeah. The, you see, the key thing is... is uh, we are able to change what I call our emotional why. We're able to change the thing that keeps on triggering us. And I use the example of worthlessness, um, which comes from the branch of emotions, uh, which is shame or feeling ashamed. The others are happy, sad, angry, and afraid. Um, now, when we say to ourselves, I am unworthy, what we can do is we can create new affirmations which are opposite to that negative affirmation, which is essentially a lie. Um, and, you know, it's, it's also no use saying, uh, I am worthy. 
it's simply not powerful enough. One needs to say, for example, I'm remarkable and cherished and loved by everybody that I come into contact with. You see, that's quite a simple affirmation. Now, if you say that and repeat that over and over again, and you believe it, and you put behind it desire and emotion, eventually that affirmation will come true and it will replace the old memory or the old lie of feeling unworthy, which sits in your hippocampus, in your limbic brain. And that's how we rewire our brains. Now, you can't fix yourself uh, in one go or in a very short period of time. And, you know, that's why we, our courses run over seven weeks and we do coaching thereafter for four months because what goes on in your prefrontal cortex, you might get it, um, but the limbic brain takes time to catch up. And for That's us to... Correct, it takes to catch up, which normally... Well, you know, if we, we know from Dr. Caroline Leaf that to change a habit, and this is a habit of thinking, um, it takes up to 63 days. Wow. Um, but to make the behavioral change that you need to, to rewire your brain um, can certainly take three months. And then if there are other areas, you know, there are a hundred emotions that branch off from the five, five main emotions. And you could be repeating a number of these emotions over and over again, getting to the source of that emotion, rewiring your brain by creating an affirmation which is opposite to the lie that was said about you or you said to yourself about yourself years ago, takes time. Um, to really uh, <clears throat> create, let's say, 10 affirmations that work in your life can take up to six months or even a year. Yeah. You know, and it's a continuous work emotional intelligence. The beautiful thing is like, unlike IQ, your EQ is changeable and self-determined. And you're able to improve your emotional intelligence, whereas your IQ stays static for the rest of your life. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think this is something as an organization we brought in right in the beginning of, of our programs. You know, this wasn't about holding just the knife and fork and about, oh, yes, please, no, thank you, blah, blah, blah. This is very much about understanding your EQ is such an important part of our life and we can change that. We can implement these changes over a period of time. And it really gives us the power uh, that we need in our lives to, to really help and influence other people and really you know, the old uh, adage in life is that the more you can do for other people, the, the attitude of what can I do for you and how can I help you, uh, coupled, you know, with all the things that you've put into this program and course will really help people stand up from the crowd and, and make a big difference. And something that I wanted to share with you, I've got a, a many people that we know in, in our circle within um, who follow the British School of Etiquette and there are many wonderful newcomers here tonight. Um, but a longstanding friend of mine, uh, Vicky Thomas, she's very much into spirituality and uh, she actually just popped something in the... Um, in, in the, the chat here and you know worthlessness and shame and guilt is also stored in our sacral chakra and and as an energy and and you know 
if you, yes, and she's saying basically you can change emotional wiring um, it's, and it's the feeling and it's the loop of emotions. And we all know that if we go into our minds right now and think of a moment in our lives where we felt really worthless, mm-hmm. you can actually change the way you feel. And I know um, through a lot of our studies that we've done together that, for example, Amy Cuddy is, is very, very focused on how your mind can change the shape of your body and the shape of your body can actually change your mind as well. Absolutely. This is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Richard, if you'll allow me, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, I'm, I'm obviously conscious of time and, and with a few little hints of technical issues, but it seems like everything's on track. You've mentioned yeah. that the pandemic has, has brought to the surface a few emotions which, which we are really feeling. Obviously, there's anxiety, there's stress. How would you recommend that we reduce this um, anxiousness and the stress at this time um, as we move forward in our lives? Yeah, stress is a real killer, Philly. Um, Long-term stress actually destroys the neuronal dendrites, which are the little branches that go off your brain cells. Um, And negative emotion, like if you are angry, um, if you are in an environment where there's workplace bullying going on, there's cruelty, there's pervasive negativity. Um, what happens is stress that uh, you experience from that emotion um, is very bad for your ability to think agilely and to think creatively and critically Um, because our brain cells communicate with one another or pass messages with one another through these dendrites and if these dendrites are damaged that transmission of messages gets inhibited um, uh, uh, and, and we call those inhibitors. Now, negative emotions inhibit your brain cells' ability to communicate with each other. On the other side, um, if you are living in an emotionally positive state where there's love and kindness and care and optimism and uh, people are enthusiastic about life, um, it produces chemicals like endorphins and serotonin, which are neurotransmitters. And what they do is they make the communication between brain cells a lot easier, um, a lot quicker. And what we can do when that happens is we can think better. We can communicate with more agility um, and we can learn better, which is is very exciting. You know, stress, often we feel overwhelmed um, and this brings on a state of anxiety um, and all of us experience anxiety to different levels. Um, Now, often anxiety is triggered by worry. Um, And the thing is 90% of what you worry about is never really gonna happen. And, And it becomes a habit, Phil. Do you know, uh, people think that by worrying about stuff, they're actually going to solve problems, but they're not. Um, Worrying shuts down our psychological ability to solve problems. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, and what I've learned to do, um, and I call it the secret garden, um, is when I feel overwhelmed and I feel anxious, um, and anybody can think about and and create their own secret garden. The first thing is to breathe properly, you know, 
fill your chest with oxygen. It oxygenates your, your, your brain. Um, you're able to think more clearly. But a good, um, a, a, a good thing to do is to close your eyes and go back to a place, normally it's in nature, um, where you experienced beautiful harmony and contentment, where you're in an environment which was beautiful and where you felt at one with God and perhaps with nature. Um, I, I once had this experience uh, on a beach in Cape Town in South Africa, um, where I was on this beach on my own. It was a beautiful Cape Town morning. Um, there was hardly a breath of wind. Um, the water was exquisitely clear and crisp. And, you know, I could hear all the nature behind me because it, it, the, the beach was in a nature reserve. Um, and I remember diving into the water and emerging refreshed and excited and the sunlight bouncing off my body. Um, I've never felt more at one with myself. And often when I feel overwhelmed and anxious and too stressed, I close my eyes, I go back there, which is my secret garden, and I'm refreshed. And uh, it almost feels like that blanket of anxiety falls off me like a cheap suit. And I'm new and ready to rock and roll again. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I love that story. And you know, something that incorporates in, in, in a lot of our programs, um, because as I said to you, um, the British School of Etiquette is very found very much on, on how we deal with people, how we treat people, how we respect people. And it, it, when we were putting um, all our courses together, it, it had to be more than just, you know, literally the P's and Q's in society and life. And one of the exercises we do with, with a lot of our students, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there are quite a few people on this webinar tonight who've, who've seen me do this and experienced this. And I'll bring someone to the front of the room that I've never, ever, ever um, met in my life before, apart from them being, you know, involved in the program or the course. And we'll get them to stand in front of the audience, and it can be a room of two, three, four, ten people. And you get them to close their eyes and you ask them to think of a time in their life where they felt they could walk on water. They felt completely free, happy. They ordered something that they really, really achieved out of extraordinary moments in their lives. And then we ask them to picture that and imagine that. And then we ask them to put their arm out to the side, Rich. And I'm literally telling them right now that you're winning. You're winning and I'm pushing on that arm and they're going to resist. And I promise you, there've been times when I'm literally hanging on the arm while they're saying they're winning, they're winning, they're winning. I then ask them off the back of that to go into a time in their life where they really tripped themselves up, where they found a moment in their lives where they felt maybe they were staring into the abyss. And as we all know in this world, none of us have had plain sailing. We've all had curveballs thrown at us, every single one of us, some more than others. And that's another whole story. And then I get them to, to not to share it, but in their mind's eye, think about that time in their lives where they really felt like the world was falling apart for them. And this time, put their arm out this, and this time I'm telling them they're losing, they're losing, they're losing. And that arm drops within a matter of seconds. It's extraordinary. 
Yeah. Obviously, the powerful thing is to make sure they go back into that beautiful state of mind before I get them to sit down again. But yeah. and, and funny enough, in, in a coaching session we did on Zoom actually last week, I'd never done this before. It was a daughter and mother team uh, all the way from Costa Rica. And they did a three-day program with us. And I said to them, I've never done this before. So I want the mum to stand up and her to put her arm out. And I talked the daughter through this. And boom, the mother's arm stayed upright. But when she started thinking negatively, she lost. And I just yeah. love you sharing that analogy with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it feeds into, it, it, it feeds into self-leadership, Phil. Um, you know, and in EQ, we talk about self-management um, as one of the four key modalities in, in emotional intelligence. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken a little bit about agility and how positive emotions allow our brain cells to communicate more effectively with one another, which allows us to solve problems quickly and easily, and we can learn better. Um, but also, you know, we need to be able to access our left and right hand side of our brains. Uh, when we're born as infants, uh, when we are infants, we are actually able to um, use our left and right hand, left and right hemispheres of our brain effectively. It's as we get older that we tend to prefer one or the other. Now, the fact is, in today's world, as a leader manager, you both need, you need to think both critically or logically and analytically, as well as creatively to come up with alternative solutions to problems and innovate and disrupt your market. Um, so, uh, you know, part of, part of what we learn on the program is to access both sides of your brain so that you can be more agile in your thinking. Um, just a couple of things that I want to share, you know, they're, they're things that probably people mostly know about, um, is that you've got to get a good night's sleep um, if you want to be emotionally calm, stable, and able to handle... Rich, Rich, we, Rich we lost you again. We, okay. we lost you again. You've yeah. got to disrupt your market. Beg your pardon? We lost you at disrupt your market. Disrupt your market. Uh, yeah, I finished it off there. And then, and then I wanted to talk about some other things like uh, in self-management, like getting a good night's sleep. You know, um, we underestimate the importance of having a good night's sleep. It's not an old wives' tale that you get beauty sleep before midnight. And in fact, an hour before midnight is equal to two hours after midnight. Um, everybody knows that once you've had a good night's sleep, you wake up clear-minded and refreshed. Um, because your uh, body has, an, has had an opportunity to recover from the, day, the previous day. Um, your dreams, um, which are there to work out your subconscious mind and clear your mind so that you wake up refreshed. You know, we have to take care of our sleep. Um, we need to turn off our tablets and phones and the television at least an hour before we go to sleep because the blue light tricks us to think it's, it's daytime. We need to sleep um, in a room that is 20 to 24 degrees Celsius. There must be no light in the room. Um, it's a good idea to invest in a good mattress. You know, if you don't have a good night's sleep, you wake up irritable. Um, and the other thing is, is exercise and body movement. You know, um, 
I reckon we need to do at least 20 minutes of aerobic exercise four or five times a week. You should try and walk every day um, because these things are good for your brain. Uh, and you know, a good workout works out stress, increases the endorphins in your body and makes you feel good. And you mentioned earlier, um, I think you mentioned attitude and you used the example, you know, when you have a positive attitude, you can overcome anything, you can move mountains. Um, and in emotional intelligence, we talk about two different mindsets. We talk about a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Now, if you have a fixed mindset, um, you struggle to take on challenges, um, you struggle with setbacks, um, you find it difficult to receive criticism without getting angry. And obstacles in your life are like big mountains. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, now mindset and attitude to me are almost synonymous. If you have a great attitude and you have a great uh, a growth mindset, you welcome challenges. Setbacks are there to teach you important lessons. Um, and, you know, yeah, attitude determines your altitude. Um, and it, 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 it very much feeds into uh, creating a positive mindset, creating positive emotions, which are good for your brain, which are good for the results that you get from your life. And then, of course, you know, we need to eat well and we need to watch what we consume, like too much nicotine, too much coffee, uh, too much alcohol. None of that is good for your emotional well-being and your physical health. Um, so I just wanted to mention those things regarding self-management. Yeah, And I can advocate that. I really can. Um, on all, all fronts um, in every, and because um, it's about putting your money where your mouth is and I fully uh, follow that in, in, in every sense of the word and it's made especially uh, funny enough especially over this period of time I don't think I've ever worked so hard as I have in the shutdown pandemic uh, scenario mm -hmm. I've been pushing the hours and because I get a reasonable night's sleep and because I don't drink alcohol I obviously don't go anywhere near cigarettes and, and I eat I watch what I eat I do exercise and I, I'm telling you right now it's giving me the most unbelievable energy both mentally and emotionally and it really has helped me hugely and this idea of you bringing in uh, the scenario of worry why worry it, it's something that i've really made a huge effort in my life personally uh, that has helped me incrementally it's been unbelievable